Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. They're messy and you're neat. They're a saver and you're a spender. They're a free spirit, and you like to run things on schedule. You're a homebody, but your partner always wants to be out with people. The idea that opposites attract has been around for centuries, but is it true? And whether it's true or not, how the hell can you find a way to happily coexist with someone when there are so many places you don't align? Today, I'm answering all those questions and teaching you my three-step process for getting out of the feeling of being opposites and back to those feelings of attraction. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Medcalf, and I'm a practicing psychologist, number one Amazon best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven with over 35 years of experience helping people just like you. Join me as I teach you actionable tips and strategies to create connection, joy, and ease in all your relationships. So let's get to it. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello. You know who I am. I don't know why I introduced myself at the beginnings of these because you know I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf. Uh, It's so good to be here with you. Thank you for the latest reviews that just came out. Oh my gosh. I read them all. Somebody would like spaghetti in their name. I don't know. There was a lot of cool ones. Thank you all. I love reading them. Um, Obviously, when you leave a good review, I love reading them. Uh, (laughs) Really appreciate the love. It is your way to show love for me. I try to give you quite a bit in every episode. I always, whenever I do an episode, I think to myself, would I pay money for this? And if the answer is yes, then I do it. If it's not, I don't. That's literally how I figure it out. So um, hopefully you feel the same and it helps me a lot. If you're watching me on YouTube, you know, subscribe, hit the like, do all the things. You can see me. What am I wearing today? My nice little white sweater. Okay. So let's get to it. This is something actually that someone wrote to me about recently, and I threw it on that to the head of the queue (laughs) because I thought it was such a good one. I thought, wow, in five seasons, I've never, I don't think I've ever been asked this question or this is our fifth season and I've never talked about it before. So I thought it'd be kind of cool to chat about. So 
this whole opposites attract thing and how do you deal when your partner's different? And we're going to get there, my three-step process. But so before we start, I want to be clear about a few things first to make sure you're in the right place if you're listening right now. First, I, so I am going to talk about opposites and romantic relationships today, but I will tell you that these tips would work absolutely in all other types of relationships also. So if you're not in a par partnership right now and you listen, which I know a lot of you do, which I love, you even listen to the ones that are about romance if you're not in a relationship, love it, because this is how you get in a great relationship. And again, all of my stuff, even when I'm just talking about romance, really does apply in all relationships. It's just sometimes hard to try to be so broad about everything. And sometimes like today, I kind of go in, you know, specifically. So that's one. Two, I'm not talking today about, you might consider this an opposites attract thing. I don't. This is a situation where your partner's abusive in some way. If, if, you, if the opposite thing you're talking about is that you're a people pleaser and very timid and never put up a boundary and your partner is dominating and, criti and critical, that's not an opposites attract thing. That's a different kind of thing. So that's a different episode uh, you should be listening to. I mean, this might be helpful today, but I... I've got a lot of stuff on the podcast about that. So on the, on the podcast, on the website about that. Uh, so you can go check, you know, how to deal with whatever and put in your term and the search bar and find a lot of information. Uh, number three, I'm also assuming you're already fully committed to this person and aren't deciding if this opposites thing is a deal breaker. If you're deciding whether or not you want to actually, you know, get married or stay with this person, I would highly suggest I have an episode called the 10 questions to ask before getting married or moving in. You can listen to that. Or is this relationship worth saving is another really popular one. You can listen to those. I, of course, as always, will link them in the show notes if, you know, you don't know. But just do a search with my name. You'll find it, it's, it, it with the titles. You can just search for it on Google. It'll take you all the places. Okay. So one of the things gets asked when this does, this situation uh, does come up is, people will say to me, well, why, you know, why didn't I ask about this first? <laughs> like, how come we never talked about this? How come it was never discussed? People think that things change a lot once you're in the relationship after a couple of years, that people change a lot. And I will tell you, that's actually, yeah, people change a little. Certainly after kids, we change, you know, maybe big life events. But in general, believe it or not, people have already been showing you who they are. So <laughs> I know. So you're think about you know you're deep in a relationship with this person you feel is opposite of you in some way right you're either married you have kids together maybe you've just been together for the last 20 years and you're you know again you're not planning on going no matter what i do i do want to say that too so okay so you're sitting in this relationship with all these you know these differences or one huge difference that you can't get past. And you're wondering again, like, how did I get here? How did I not notice this earlier? And the answer is you did notice it earlier on some level, but you ignored the warning signs. And I, yeah, you don't like care. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you ever. I love you too much to sugarcoat things or talk bullshit to you and I'm not gonna do it. So if, if I'm saying this right now and you're like, no, Abby, no, they were completely, no, no, then check yourself. Just, just listen. What do I always say? Listen like you're wrong. Be open to what I am saying because I'm telling you there were things. And you and you might not be able to recall them because of chemistry, and I'll tell you why. So you, you might not have noticed them 
your, your brain noticed somewhere, but it kind of tucked it away because in the beginning of a relationship, we've got that physical attraction or some other type of really strong chemistry going on that literally hijacks our brain. We end up, you know, overlooking or missing a lot of very valuable information that's presented <laughs> in the beginning of a relationship. Your partner isn't, you know, suddenly messy or suddenly different with money. It just, it's not it. You're just noticing it now because those early lust effects have worn off. It takes about two to three years longer if you've been in a long distance relationship for those initial wonderful chemicals to dwindle. And that early period is when a lot of couples decide to get married or move in or have babies and do all that stuff. I don't know. So it seems like people changed after marriage or after a baby, but really they've been this way all along to some degree. So yes, things can get more intense, more different. I certainly changed after kids, I'm sure, but not in some really fundamental ways, not in my, you know, my values and things exactly. I mean, they shifted some, but, and when I say that, I mean like, you know, you can have ideas about religion, let's say. And uh, this happened to my sister. My sister married someone who wasn't Jewish and she was fine with that in the beginning and she didn't care. And then once she had kids, all of a sudden she became very Jewish. <laughs> my sister became super Jewish after kids and wanted to take them to temple and do all these things. She happened to have married a guy who was fine with it, who really went all in on it. He never converted technically, but he, I mean, he was amazing. He was like out there building the Sukkot every year and like, uh, you know, Sukkot every year on Sukkot. And uh, he was incredible. Anyway, um, in those ways, he really, he just jumped on board and they, that was kind of lucky, right? Because that could have been something that obviously destroyed the marriage in a lot of ways. So, I mean, there's those kinds of things that can happen, but in general, people are people. And certainly the stuff we're going to talk more about today. So by the time what happened, and you know, I, I wrote about, I'll, again, I'll link to previous episodes I did on this about the brain chemistry and lust and love and attachment and all that. I, I, I'll link to all those. Uh, most of the research is Helen Fisher, who, if you've been listening to me for any length of time, you know, I have quite the girl crush on her. I love her. Love you, Helen, if you're listening. Um, her TED Talks are amazing. Anyway, she's incredible. So, but by the time this stuff, these opposite things really become an issue, you know, what happens is that we've often been with the person for a while. And then we get, I see people getting very stuck in unhealthy thinking like, well, I've already invested all this time. I don't want to start over with someone else or, you know, it'll change after we have kids or things like that. I, I hear that stuff a lot. Or we're just really this upset because we're planning a wedding or we're, and I'm like, mm. I, you know, I've been doing this almost 40 years, people. I've seen a lot. I've heard, I'm not saying you can't be the exception, but I am saying I wouldn't bet on being an exception. I, I don't think that's a smart way to go. And so, uh, you know, we just get all in and we think, I can't back out now. I can't undo this now. Or we don't, you know, we don't want to get divorced or we don't want to be seen a certain way. It's too close to the wedding or it's too, you know, we already had the baby or, you know, whatever. And you're just like, oh, well. And I will say, you can work on it though. The, you can work on this. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So do not lose hope. But I just want to point out there why you might have missed it in the beginning. So then, of course, it's like, well, do opposites really attract? Is that true? And I will tell you that the, sh the short answer is yes and no. It depends on what exactly you're talking about. So on the on the yes side, it it seems that, you know, yeah, you can be attracted to your partner, you know, your opposite at first because 
you know, it's exciting and it's new and it's different. There, there's so much to learn. There's so much novelty and our brains love novelty, especially in love. So your physical chemistry, uh, you know, for that is there also, obviously you're just regular physical chemistry, like I said, might be off the charts. So you've got that lust brain, which results in those differences seeming fun or not something to be bothered by. Um, and in those first couple of years, those differences, they usually stay kind of intriguing because they haven't become obstacles yet, right? They, you haven't done enough where they're big obstacles. Maybe you haven't merged your money yet or bought a house or, uh, you know, really talked about children, depending on how old you are when you're listening to this, right? If you're in your fifties getting together, you're going to have very different issues. And the opposites attract thing can be very different than when you're younger. And I will tell you that, um, there's things it's hard, even when, you know, these 10 questions to ask before you get married that I give, you don't always know things happen and people, you know, change, have life events. Um, I've had clients who've had, uh, oh my God, uh, near, you know, death experience, like death experiences, actually, you know, come back, heart attacks, hearts ripped in two, that kind of stuff. I mean, crazy crap. And they come back and their personalities have changed or they're just thinking like, oh, why was I saved? I need the, you know, and suddenly things really shift. Um, that does happen and you can't plan for everything by asking every question. So I want to say that too, but so it's also true that if you have two people who are, um, too similar in the wrong ways, you know, I've seen that I've had couples where like, they're both alphas (laughs) and they have a very hard time making decisions together. So you know, being too alike is hard in certain ways. It's like, there's just no, you know, room to, to move. And so finding someone who's more opposite of your personality in the beginning, I think can feel fun or more tranquil or like you get along better. You know, uh, I think we're also looking for someone with these opposite qualities because they're things we want to improve in ourselves. Right. So we like being around that energy. I think that that happens too. So I'm thinking, of course, I think I've shared this wonderful couple. Hopefully you're listening. Uh, I have this wonderful couple I worked with years ago who she was, um, she's from Brazil and he is from Germany. (laughs) Don't you laugh just saying that right now in your heads? Yeah, I know. Yeah, these are real, real deal. Love them both so much. Oh my God, such amazing people, both of them. Smart, bright, incredible, just amazing in the world. But you can imagine... (laughs) They were really their stereotypes so much. You can imagine this Brazilian woman with the joie de vie and time doesn't really matter, you know, doing things in her own way and having all that, you know, big personality, just like you'd imagine this wonderful, incredible, uh, oh my God, uh, bon vivants, like, you know, incredible. And he was also amazing, but in his own way, right? Super duper smart, really educated, trains running on time though. He was very German in a lot of ways. And you can see, you know, when they, I could see why they fell in love. They're they're so different and they really complement each other so well in so many ways. But when you're just trying to like plan a vacation or figure out what ki- what school your kids are going to or where you're going to live or how much money you're going to save for retirement, you know, the things that happen when you're together a long time, you can see 
how this can get in the way. They're doing great, by the way, as far as I know. No, and I know they are because I get a Christmas card every year, which I love. Anyway, you know what I mean? So that's the thing. That's the thing to keep in mind. Okay. So that's like on the yes side of opposites attract. On the no side, really, this is where a lot of the research is that no, opposites don't attract. That's not what we do. A lot of the research shows that that partners without similarities don't similarities don't they just don't stay together or stay happily together for very long and if your partner you know is super ambitious and all about attaining goals but you like to live like a free spirit and goals feel stifling you're obviously going to have some trouble right building a life together and making plans so and there was a lot of research i read there was one um large-scale study that I thought was interesting. They analyzed uh, the, like the digital footprints that people left on Facebook, because you know they track everything, uh, regarding things people liked and what they posted about. And they absolutely, I think the name of the research article was even birds of a feather flock together or something. They did. Most people interacted with people with interests similar to their own, right? That That's kind of how that, but that's digital. So I was really looking for something bigger and I did find, and I found a bunch again, but what I'll link to in the show notes, I, I, I'm not going to leave 50 articles in the show notes. So there was a large, uh, it was a meta, what we call a meta study. It's when you're analyzing and combining results of a lot of studies. And this had over 240 studies in it. And the researchers found that similar partnership, similar people who were similar in their partnerships scored the highest in longevity and how long they were together and their overall satisfaction. So uh, now, but here's the deal. And here's what you need to hear. Those similarities that they found in the research and all these studies, and, and I saw this in other studies too, weren't about that each of you has to like jazz or everybody has to love to hike. Instead, these couples were similar when it came to values, attitudes, and like, and you know, personality traits. So if you have someone who's super optimistic, uh, with someone who's super pessimistic, you know, that can really have uh, trouble over the long term, right? In some ways, again, now if they're not super on either way and they just sort of lean a little each way, it's a wonderful compliment to each other. But when you have people who are at other ends of the spectrum, it becomes really difficult. If your value is that, um, family is more important than anything else, no matter what, and someone else's value is that work is more important, then, you know, right, you can see how you get into trouble. So having the values aligned, so a place that you can come back to when there's conflict, uh, these values that bond us, that make us feel close to our partners, that's what's really important. So, and you can have different backgrounds, obviously, you can come from money or not come from money, or um, even though most people have similar backgrounds, but uh or, you know, be someone who's black and someone who's white, you know, together. You can have you know, different religions like I've had in my, you know, uh, relationships. You can have those things, but if your values align, you can have a very satisfying relationship. Okay. So there's the long and short of that, you know, do opposites attract? Do they not? They, yes and no. <laughs> so, so there you have it. But so let's get to what to do because this is where I want to spend most of my time today. There, and I have these three steps to opposites attracting, <laughs> you know what I mean? To creating uh, some really, a lot of attraction there as opposed to this other feeling. And step one is you got to change your mindset. And I do, you know, I do this work with couples all the time where you can imagine, right? How many couples come to me because someone's more messy or someone wants something else in the marriage or whatever. I mean, everything. That's really what people 
argue about, right? There are differences, you know, where you don't align. So, <clears throat> excuse me, changing your mindset. I'm going to sip water. Hold on. Oh, that's better. Changing your mindset is first. And the first thing I'd like you to do is stop saying that your partner is the opposite of you in some way. Right there, okay? Just stop using that language. Immediately, when you say that they're opposite, you are unconsciously, or maybe even consciously, you're going to assign negative attributes to your partner, which sets you up on opposite sides and stops you from connecting. <clears throat> what always needs to come first is the deep, abiding belief that you and your partner are on the same team. I did a TED Talk about it. I've talked about it, I don't know how much on the podcast, you know, keeping score stops you from connecting, being on opposite sides, not being happy for your partner when they have a win. You know, in any of these ways, you can think about it, right? When you label and do this with your partner, you're setting yourself up on opposite teams, which means, you know, you, you don't treat them as your part, like you're on the same team, you treat them opposite, right? You need to treat them as your respected teammate. That's what you have to do. Not someone who you need to dominate or score points on or prove something to, or, you know, be higher than or whatever in some way. So you need to think of your partner as being complementary, not the opposite of you. I've already said that a few times. So complement. We're not opposites. We're, we're complement. We complement one another. Okay. That's what you say. Well, my partner compliments me in these ways. Okay. <laughs> Not opposites attract. Language is important. And when you start using that language, I'm telling you, your brain starts to set it up. And so does your partner. So it's really time. I want this mindset shift is about you starting to respect and embrace your differences. Stop railing against the machine. You don't love your partner despite the fact that he's messier than you or despite the fact that she doesn't see the value in saving money. You, that's not it. You love this person with all the many facets they bring to the table. I always say with Gary, you know, I, I don't want him to love me despite certain things. I want him to love me because of these things. These are all who, what makes up me. And I've shared before on the podcast, you know, I'm very, I have a lot of energy, <laughs> I have a lot of, I a lot of say yeah. I have a lot of optimism, so I say yes too much for sure. I still I work on it, but I it's still a struggle. And so you know, if I'm going to someone's house for dinner, you know, dinner, I'm gonna you know for a potluck, I'm that person at the potluck bringing like a dessert and a salad and two mains and a you know something to drink, and I'm bringing too much. And it or it's not too much to me. It's something that gives me joy. So obviously for Gary, sometimes it means that I'm asking him to help or I'm asking him, oh, could you grab this? Or I have to, you know, I'm cooking, so I need him to do something else around the house. And, and we, way back, we used to get into it a little. He's like, you have to stop saying yes so much to things. You, you, this, you know, you're impacting me and it's not fair. Like you're expecting me to come home early from like softball so that we can, you know what I mean? Like this fun thing I'm doing so I can help you with something. And I had to take a look at that. And I had, I also told him, you know, you like, of course he likes it at other times when I'm so energetic and say yes. And, you know, when he, when he's asking for sex, I always say yes. Hello. So, you know, I'm always about the yes. So <laughs> you can't just like it where you like it. You can't cherry pick. So you, you know, as I'm talking to you, you have a partner, you have a person that you really love a lot of the aspects of this part of their personality. 
maybe the fact that they're such a planner. And when it comes time for vacation, they are amazing and they plan all the things and they go through it. And you love that. But then other times it feels like they're micro controlling your life and you don't like it. You know what I mean? You you can't, you don't get to cherry pick. You, you got to figure out a way to love all of them all the time. <laughs> I know. It doesn't mean you always like it, but it means you love them and you're not fighting it so hard. And it's really about accepting the people we love for all that they bring. So, and really think about ways that it's helped you. You know, maybe the fact that your partner is messier helped you let go of some of your perfectionism, or maybe the way your partner spends money more easily has helped you see that it's not all or nothing, that you don't have to be so afraid when it comes to money. I don't, you know, I don't know what your thing is, but there's always a learning that we have with our partners and it's really important to open up to that. I and this relates to it. I cuz I would also like you to change your mindset about the right and wrong of it all. It's not right to be someone who likes saving and wrong to be someone who spends money more freely. It's not right to want more sex uh with your partner and wrong to want less sex with your partner. It's not right to put away the dishes at night before you go to sleep and wrong to put them away in the morning. I know, I see you. You're like, are you in my house, Abby? I'm not, but I see you. I know, this is what you think. Again, we think, when we think of our partners as wrong, we see them in a negative light. Well, and we also set up that tug of war over that issue. What you like are your preferences, nothing more. They are not facts. They are not uh, uh, evidence of anything. <laughs> they are your opinions. They are your preferences and you are allowed to have them. God bless your little puppet. God knows I got a lot of opinions. We all know that a lot of preferences, but they're mine. And I understand that part. <laughs> what you think of our facts again, they're just what you prefer. So you can't make your partner wrong for being different. There's not a one right way to be with certain things. They're just not. And that I don't know, for me, that was the biggest aha I've ever had probably in my life. Um, was that my, I, I would be so sure about something. It was just my preference for it. So, because also, you know, what we like has a lot to do with kind of our personal threshold. And we all have different thresholds for things. My personal threshold for mess is, is relatively low. Um, or things being like dirty, I, I don't do great with it. Gary has a very high <laughs> threshold, not for mess. He's not a big messy guy, but things could be like dirtier. You know, there could be mold in the shower. He's fine. He'll shower around it. Like he doesn't care. He needs to clean. He's clean with himself and he's clean in his world. But his car, I don't even want to talk about his car. He doesn't clean it. Like it just things he doesn't care that much about. He thinks it's fine. He'll wipe it down every now and then. He's, you know, he's not getting in the corners and getting out the, you know, whatever antibacterial wipes. Like he, he just doesn't worry that much about those kinds of things. Whereas I, when things are dirtier, I get, ugh, it's just gross. Like I can't be, I don't like to be around and I can't, I don't like to be around it. So it, that's, these are different thresholds. So, you know, maybe you have a lower threshold for a messy kitchen. So you feel like you're always the one cleaning the kitchen, but it's really because probably your partner has a higher threshold for a messy kitchen. He's more comfortable with it being messier than you. So maybe they, so to them, like you might think every time you walk in the kitchen, oh, there's crumbs on the counter or there's a little like bit of jam left over from one of your kids or something somewhere. And you're always wiping those counters, right? I think is, I don't know. I don't know. Is that a mom thing? I get, you know, I see husbands wiping counters, got free or men wiping counters, but I, I, a lot of moms, we like to wipe our counters. I didn't wipe my counter this much when I 
probably kids. I don't know what it is, but, um, and you know, but if, but maybe your partner would, would just wipe them down at night. Doesn't see the big reason like that some jam can't be on the counter or some, you know, I don't know, some crumbs around, like doesn't really care. And then maybe every night before you go to bed, you do it once. But the problem is then you have been wiping it all day long. And so you've, in your head, you've been wiping their crumbs off the counter all day and building resentment that you're wiping their crumbs. But that wiping, I need to say this with so much love in my heart, you're wiping the counter for you, not them. And that's how you have to see that. Oh, <gasps> I know I said it. I say it with so much love in my heart. I know this is hard to hear. And, and I'm not talking about men not doing, I'm, I'm not getting into all the men don't do as much work as women. We know they don't. I'm not getting into that men shouldn't do more work around the house. This is not what I'm talking about because this could go either way. You could be a man that wipes the counters and your partner doesn't care about the crumbs. I, I don't, I'm not talking about that part right now. I'm talking about our own needs for preferences for wanting things a certain way, your house will be okay with jam on the counter. It really will. And you're like, no, we'll get ants. We'll get that. Okay. So maybe you get ants. Okay. Maybe you wipe it. But there's a lot of stuff you can have around. You know, it's true. That doesn't really matter so much. It's just how you like it. You like to walk in. It's kind of sparkling. It looks clean and nice. Or when, you know, for me, when I'm going to make dinner, I, 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 I can't make dinner in a mess. Some people can. I've watched people do it. I've watched my son do it. <laughs> I've watched, watched my daughter do it. People can have shit everywhere, all over the kitchen, and they're in there cooking. I can't for me. It's not my threshold. My threshold is lower. It's not my preference. So I will first clean the whole kitchen before I start to cook. Again, it's a preference. It's not, okay? So I'll talk more about this in a minute, but it what I want to say is that all this boils down to respecting and embracing our partner's differences. And when we do that, it's going to be easier to find common ground. Okay. All right. So changing our mindset is one. Step two is to decide if it's a want or a need. Oh yeah. Cause, so now you're changing your mindset. You're changing this language in your head. They're not all wrong. You're not all right. Right. We're, we're shifting things. And it doesn't mean you don't like things and have your preferences. You're allowed them, okay? And you're allowed to have your partner support you in some of those. But I will tell you this, it gets in the way. Now, it's time to decide what you really need, not what you really want. We all have things we want and we all have things we need, but they're not the same thing. Needs are things that must be there no matter what. If like, if you're getting in a relationship and you need to have kids, that's, that's, you know, I call those deal breakers, right? If you need to have those kids raise a certain religion, deal breaker. Uh, if you're somebody who's super close to your parents and you absolutely will be available at their beck and call anytime they call, I think that's a little codependent, but I say that with love. But if that's just how you're raised or something, that's a need, not a want, right? It's something you have to have, talking to your best friend on a daily basis. Some people need to own a home. Other people don't. Some people are like, I have to. I, I, I will not be able to sleep at night if I don't have a home so that I own. So, okay, these are non-negotiables up front, which hopefully you did up front, okay? But that's, to me, normally what people do talk about up front. They do talk about their needs mostly. I, 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 they do. They talk about how many kids they want or, you know, what kind of home they want or where they want to live. Or they, they, I, in my experience, most couples do that. The problem is that <laughs> we want a lot of things, okay? 
like for our partner to be more health conscious, to clean their whiskers out of the sink, that's mine, or to put away their makeup, that's Gary's. These are all wonderful things, but they're not a need. And it's not a need. I had a couple recently, they were fighting over the pillows on the bed. Why do we women love our pillows so much? I don't have a lot on the bed, but I have a lot on the couch. <laughs> My daughter's always complaining. I've got like 20 pillows on the couch. Uh... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If so, and this couple was arguing because he was always the last one on a bed, so he would have to make the bed. And she, of course, has this amazing, they have this beautiful, you know, they have this big bed and all the pillows, and they're supposed to be in a certain order. And there's a whole thing around these fucking pillows. And they've been fighting about the pillows for years. And he tries, you know, put them all up there. But to him, he doesn't like all the pillows. He thinks it's crazy. At night, they have to go in a certain corner so the dog doesn't get to them. It's like a thing. He just thinks it's ridiculous, but he loves her. And he, you know, he's like, okay, you want these pillows on the bed? We can have these pillows on the bed. And so, but she complains a lot when he doesn't put them on correctly, her right way. I got to tell you, you got to stop. If this is you and you're just, you're listening to me right now, I, and I love you, you know I do, but we have to start being real in our lives. Oh my God, if you had a week to live, would you care about the motherfucking pillows? No, no. You, I, you don't marry, you, on your list of things, when you said, I'm going to get married one day, I'm going to marry this great person, on your list was never ever mows the lawn well, great with putting pillows on a bed, uh, wipes counters religiously. Okay. It was not on your list. Nowhere on there. I guarantee it. If it was, we, you should call me. We need to see each other individually. I'm not sure what's wrong with you, but anyway, I say with love. Okay. There's probably medication. So what the hell are you so focused on? And I'll tell you why you're focused in just a minute. But <laughs> so again, but I wanted to say first, those pillows are a preference it's your preference, not theirs. So if you want the bed a certain way, I would say it's your job to make sure they look the way you want them every day, not your partner's. It's nice if they make the bed. Yeah, that's our job. But maybe putting on the pillows is yours. You know, like to me, making the bed would be a, uh, that's what we're talking about. We talk about males and females living, or females and females and males and males living together, people living together and dividing kind of household chores. And so I think we have that rule in our house. The last one out of bed makes it. That's just the rule. And I think that's fair. That seems fine. Um, So, because we like, we both, thank God, we both like a made bed. And, you know, you make it up. But that's the division of labor, so to speak. Not all the pillows on top. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to like, you know what I mean? Like get clear on what we're talking about. 
your your needs are important. They're, they are. I get it. these these they they're what they're what deserve attention, not your wants. When we spend a lot of time complaining about our wants not being fulfilled, our partners can miss our needs, and so can you. You miss your needs too. Okay, so. I'm gonna give you this example. For so it's likely a need you have to be treated respectfully, right? I I I can't imagine anybody listening who's not thinking, yeah, that's a need I have, not a want. I don't want to be treated, I need to be treated respectfully. Okay. So but here's the deal: your partner leaving the kitchen a mess doesn't mean they don't respect you. When you get upset about the messy kitchen and say that they don't respect you, you're not only missing the real conversation that should be happening, but and missing your real needs, but your partner thinks you're blowing things out of proportion and likely gets defensive or angry, right? At the very least, you know how they keep doing it? <laughs> it's because they don't think it's a big deal. They don't equate it at all with not respecting you. They know they love and respect you. So when you're yelling and screaming, you don't love me, you don't respect me because you didn't like wipe the counter, they're looking at you like you're insane. I know you've seen the look. I, don't get me wrong. I've, I, I've gotten into it about the whiskers in the sink, okay? I too have gotten caught up in, in the wrong things and thinking, again, assigning it meaning, assigning blame to things, assigning a definition that isn't true. Gary so loves and respects me, but whiskers in the sink to him are not a sign of the respect he has, okay? And, and frankly, they're really not in the big picture. So you should get to the real issue. If, and, and think of it this way. Here's how I always think of it. If you felt fully respected in your relationship, and I mean fully, do you think you would care this much about dishes in the sink or crumbs on a counter? I don't think so. Matter of fact, I'm sure not because I've worked with literally thousands of couples at this point and everybody shifts like what they're focusing on once we get off the bullshit things and get to the real things, which I'm going to teach you today then we really start getting somewhere. And we don't care when I see, for me, when I see the whiskers in the sink, I just see it as a way I can support Gary. I'm like, oh, it's not, it's, fuck that. It's not supporting Gary, it's supporting me. I care about the whiskers. He does try to <laughs> rinse them down. He does. He just doesn't do it to my specifications <laughs> of neatness and cleanliness, right? So it's like, really when I'm cleaning out the rest of the sink, it's for me, not him. But there are times, you know, putting away the dishes or something, I just think of it like, oh, it's one less thing he has to do. I'm here. I'm available. I can put away the dishes. I, I don't have to be like, you know, last night uh, I did it. Now today I'm doing it. No, I'm not going to even go there. Okay. And I don't really feel the need because again, I feel a lot of love and respect from him. And he does, I can see all the things he does for, does for me and for him and for the house, for our home and our family. So I don't get into that. But we, again, assign meaning to these things and then decide they're proof of something when they're not. I know, again, I know it can be hard to hear, but it's really important to get this piece, to get off of that. Think hard about why you don't feel respected. Really, I want to get to the real thing. I want to get to your needs. Okay, so let's get real. And usually when I start talking to people about this and I'll have a couple, you know, they're with me and they're complaining about the, you know, crumbs on the counter, uh, the sock on the floor or whatever. Um, and I start to really talk to them. I can generally find something like, you know, maybe your partner dismissed your role in raising your kids is not that hard. That happened with a couple I worked with recently. He had sort of said a few things that were very minimizing about her role as a mom and uh, about how hard it was or not. And 
she but she missed it so you know it was very covert it was very kind of in the conversation it was hard to get I, it took me a while to get there with them and so she was yelling about other things that she could point to that she could say here's the thing you know that's that's upsetting me so uh i've had um oh not that long ago i had another couple and she had said some like kind of disparaging things about her her partner another woman in front of their friends okay so they're with friends you know they're all out they're having fun and she sort of teased her partner but was like kind of ranking on her and like laughing about something that her um actually it's her fiance they're they're engaged uh that her fiance say was um you know like it was a what didn't feel good it felt like she was getting made fun of in front of everybody and they weren't a team and that to me is a real deal breaker that's something to really talk about not hair in the sink so i need you to think of the real needs that aren't being met and talk about those not the dishes really stop when you think to yourself oh this person doesn't respect me because they did x or y stop and think what, what is it this maybe it is like in this case with this uh woman feeling disparaged by her partner in front of other people yeah that was really that thing like but again they got to talk about it like ways they don't feel like a team ways like they're planning this wedding and there's ways that this the one woman is feeling like her partner um, dismisses a lot of things that she wants or talked names them as frivolous or not needing it you know she just sort of downgrades things a little to get her way or to get kind of an upper hand feeling and that was an issue with the couple and that's what we talked about that was an amazing conversation so full so great and so you you miss it when you tell your partner you feel disrespected and, and unloved because they left their dishes on the counter they again they kind of think you're crazy and then they get to dismiss it because they know it's not true they're like well i do love and respect them the dishes had nothing to do with that i just left them there i don't care or whatever and then oh don't you like you'll get called too emotional or too sensitive or something right then you're really going ballistics and you're now you're screaming at them and threatening divorce and this is how those little things really get big but when you sit them down and communicate well about those other things, the real things, the needs, not the wants, then you've got something to discuss and problem solve together. That's the key. And that brings us to our third step and final step, step three. You have to communicate effectively about those real issues. And I'm not saying you can never talk about, you know, a, a cup being left, you know, cups being left out or something or whatever, you know, something that's sort of chronic that always happens around your house. Um, but I'm saying you will have very different conversations when you're coming from a different place about them. And you'll feel better. You won't feel like a nag or like you're complaining. You'll feel like you're actually having these rich conversations and so will your partner. And that's where connection happens. That's where we want to do something for our partner because we feel connected for them. I always say to you, you have to connect to correct. And this is what I'm talking about. You wanna connect on a real feeling level, which I'm gonna teach you in one second. And then you can say, hey, I've got this thing, right? So, okay, so steps one and two, you've gotten better, right? You've got your mindset shifted. You're better now at realizing what you're really upset about. And now you wanna have a loving conversation about it. And I, I have done so much about how to communicate effectively. <laughs> I have a complete guide to effective communication on the website and I have a three-part 
uh, episode three arc episode about it on the podcast. Uh, you know, I've got, I just did top 10 tools for, you know, I mean, go look up communication and Abby Metcalf. You will find a ton on my website or in general. I've written so friggin' much about it and in great detail and depth, but because I love you and you're right here right now and don't want to go do all that right this second, I want to tell you the most important thing <laughs> to do, okay, in this three-step process. You, if you want your partner to listen, you know, without getting defensive or hurt, oh my God, oh, I did a, hey, I did an episode on that too. You can look that up, <laughs> how to listen without getting defensive or hurt. Okay. But if you want your partner to listen without getting defensive or hurt, you need to go into the conversation looking to learn something, not prove something. Okay. That is number one. This means you ask curious, 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 loving questions relentlessly. You're not trying to get your partner to see your side. You're not trying to get your partner to change their mind or to change. You're trying to understand all the facets of the dynamic in this situation to then come up with a plan together because you're a team. And here's a great trick for you. I'd even say... To, and I do this when I'm really like, oh, I'm so right. Ask questions in such a way that you're actually trying to convince yourself to adopt their way of doing things. You're trying to get proof that it's okay to leave crumbs on the counter. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, I know. But again, you're not even probably going to be talking about crumbs on the counter right away. That will probably come in like the secondary level of this conversation, but you're going to, because you want to ask questions that are again about the needs, not the wants. You're asking, that's a good one. You're asking questions about the needs, not the wants. You can get to the wants later when the needs are established and you can then draw a line from a need to a want. Okay. But when, like I said, when you're just yelling, like you don't respect me because you don't put away the dishes, that goes nowhere. So, and you know, do you want to be correct or effective? I say it all the time. Do you want to be correct or effective? I'm giving you the effective way to do this. So if you're sitting there right now going, but I want to tell them that it's not okay, then be my guest and be in that same shitty conversation. I don't know what to tell you. You're listening right now because you know what you're doing is not effective. You know what you're doing. Changes happen very briefly. And then it goes back to being the way it was, or no change happened at all. I am here to help because I love you, but you got to listen, <laughs> got to do it. So if you want more sex with your partner, you're not going to go there and go, you know, I want more sex. We're not having enough sex. Why, why aren't we having more sex is not the question I'm talking about. That's not a curious question. That's not a loving question. That's not an open question. An open, loving question is what would you like to see more of in our sex life? What a great conversation will come from that. If you want more sex or if you want less sex, and even if you want less sex, if you're thinking like, oh, my partner's always pushing me about sex, you might just say to them, what do you want to see more of? Maybe it's not, maybe they're looking for more sex because they're not getting what they need in the sex you are having. I've seen that many, many times. So if you can ask, don't be afraid of the topic. What would you like to see more of in our sex life? Tell me everything. What would you like to see less of? What would you like to see more of? You know. And if the person just says, well, I want more sex, say, well, tell me more. What do you want to see more of in our sex life? Okay, more times, but what else? What else? What else is one of my favorite questions? Tell me more about is one of my favorite questions. It's great. And you have to be open and curious while you're listening, not looking to defend, not looking to shoot down what they're saying, not looking to make a counterpoint. If anything, you want to ask more questions to understand better. If you're feeling disrespected, you might ask, you know, uh, hey, what are the ways that you see yourself showing me respect? Like, what are the ways that you see that you show? I know, I know you respect me. 
because you should know that, that they respect you on some level. Like there's other things. So what is it that you do that you think shows respect? Is there anything you do that you feel like is disrespectful to me? Is there anything you do or say, or, you know, have a conversation. If you feel you do need to talk about the cleanliness in your home, learn about it. I, I want to hear more about what a clean home means to you. What, what does clean mean in our home to you? And ask a lot of follow-up questions because you really are going to want to understand what their definition of clean is, what it means to them, how they see things. If your partner doesn't remember to do things that you've agreed, you know, you agreed on Friday that they were going to do X, Y, and Z and they didn't do it again, you know, have, instead of yelling about not doing it again, because again, that hasn't been effective, be correct, not effective, don't be correct, be effective. You might just say, okay, tell me more about what was happening for you on Friday. I know things got a bit twisted. I really want to hear about your day. How are you tracking things? Like how, when, when this thing's happened, when you and I decide X, what is the, what takes you from X to action? Like how do you put all that together? And don't be sitting, oh, I can solve that. Oh, I'll problem solve that. Oh, I'll give them suggestions. Don't do any of that. Just listen. Just listen and ask more questions. Okay, is there another way you've ever tried that? Have you, well, when you have done what I've asked, when you, when you followed through, because you've done that plenty, because they have, what, how did that get set up differently? What do you think gets in the way from the times you do do it and the times you don't? Like, what is that? And really get clear. Get clear on what their definitions of things are. You know, again, like, what does clean mean to you? What does, you be shocked. I, I think I've shared this before, I don't remember, but I had a couple I worked with a long time ago and he was a drinker and she wanted him to stop drinking. She felt like he drank alcoholically. And to make a long story short, he committed to not drinking for a month. <laughs> and when they were in session next, uh, he said, oh, I said, how's your drinking? He said, oh, I haven't been drinking. And she said, what are you talking about? You drank Monday, you drank Wednesday, you drank Friday, right? And he said, I wasn't drinking. I mean, he was, he was so sure he hadn't been drinking. And I was like, what is so different here? This is so weird. And he, to him, beer wasn't drinking. He thought she only meant hard alcohol. He was not being passive aggressive. He was not being an asshole. That's really, as he grew up in this hugely alcoholic home where beer wasn't considered drinking. Like when you were trying to cut back, you just drank beer. So, you know, in his head, that's what it was. So you got to be open, curious, and loving when you ask these questions and you will have a completely different conversation. You can ask if your partner if you want, wants to hear, you know, your thoughts about the topic, but I would really encourage you to first share any aha moments you're having about how they think, showing empathy, understanding first, it, you know, that, that's the way to go. Show empathy and understanding first before you do anything else. It's a great way to create bonding and mutual respect. I encourage you to say things like, what I hear you saying is, you know, to get clear that we're communicating on the same level, that our definitions line up. And then you can come together with a plan towards a new goal that maybe either neither of you has even thought of yet. So, and you got to remember that road is not going to be perfect. It's not a straight trajectory from where you are to where you want to be. So you got to, you have to give some grace, some optimism as you move forward. You, you want to think, well, we're going to get to that goal because we have to get to the goal because I don't want to fight about this anymore. So, you know, let's just keep kind of digging at it in this way, in this loving, open conversation way and keep sort of pivoting until you find where you want to be. I also, I'm just going to end with this. I want to highly suggest having a weekly couples business meeting. I will link in the show notes. I did a whole episode on this, but uh, you can come download uh, here on the 
on the website, abbymetcalf.com forward slash podcast, I will have a couple's business meeting checklist ready for you to download because having regular business meetings is a great way to problem solve as a team. There are so many moving pieces in any family and it's so easy to seem like we're nagging one another. So having a weekly or even a bi-weekly couple's business meeting, it makes you happier because you're gonna have a list of all the things you're gonna meet weekly. You have like an agenda, you have a list. I usually uh, tell people to keep like an Excel sheet somewhere on Google Docs or something. And instead of having what seems like a constant stream of nagging, you have this one time and place to discuss all those things from some of it can be just logistical things, light bulbs getting changed, you know, where the kids are going to summer camp. Let's talk about how much we want to budget for vacation. It's a great time to talk about the things. You're going to have your partner's full attention because it's just this half hour or this 45 minutes that you have, or 10 minutes that you have established for this. You, you can't do 10 minutes in the beginning. It's going to take a little longer in the beginning, but you don't have to worry about forgetting something important because everything is right there on the sheet. There's accountability. And I always have a rule with people that, you know, because you can just write on the sheet like, okay, uh, uh, your partner said they'd fix the dog door, which has been broken for two weeks. You come back the next week, is, is it done? And you don't ask in between. You don't nag. You don't mention it. You know nothing. It's their responsibility. You set it in the session, in the little business meeting. And if the dog door isn't complete the following week, you're like, oh, I tell people to have a two-week thing that if the item isn't completed within two weeks or hasn't been discussed that it will be later than two weeks, then you just outsource it. Just outsource it. Don't even say anything in the meeting. Just if, if your partner says for the second week in a row, oh, I forgot again, that means your plates are too full and this couldn't get done. Go hire someone to, to bring in, fix the dog door and stop complaining about it. Like be over it. It is a great thing to do. It'll make it so much easier. And you'll have these planned times to deal with bigger issues that often get, you know, they get missed or rushed. You know, you end up with disappointment and frustration and confusion that you do not need. So a couple's business meeting, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Even I have uh, uh, people I work with who are divorced and they do, it's a great thing to have instead of, you know, that push and pull with your ex maybe where you're talking all the time and they're texting you all the time or you're always texting them or something. You, you know, some things are obviously, you know, your kid forgot their jacket at their house. But even that, if it's always getting forgotten, I would put it on the agenda to discuss like, hey, the, the lunch containers always end up at your house. What can we do about that? Like, how can, can we buy more lunch containers? Can we put make the kids responsible? Can we just wash them and put them right in the backpack? Can we like, let's talk about it instead of it being a constant source of tension. Let's figure out how to actually solve it together. <sighs> and there you have it. Do opposites attract? Yes and no. Is there something you can do about it if your partner feels very, quote unquote, opposite of you in a lot of ways? Yes, there are. There's my three steps to figuring it out. I hope that was helpful. Thank you. I can't remember her name who wrote in. I Thank you for writing in and asking the question. It was brilliant. As always, anybody who has a question, you can write it into abby at abbymedcalf.com. It's really where I get so many wonderful ideas for the podcast or from you. I want to help you. I'm not going to give advice over email, so don't ask. It's not how it works. It's unethical. I'm not going to do it. However, I am going to respond and say thank you or whatever, or no, that's not something I can really cover. Um, and sometimes I'll point you to resources that are already out there if I, if I know of them, um, so that you can improve your life. <sighs> I have to go. 
because I'm getting my implant today. I'm so excited. It's been a year. Finally getting the end of the implants and I'm a big hole in my mouth. Maybe God was telling me not to eat as much. Anyway, um, I love you so much. <sighs> I'm sending love and patience right now and have an amazing week. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.